Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a Geek Network special interview. As always, I am your host, Keith, and I am joined by no co-host tonight. It's a solo interview. Uh, however, I do want to welcome my very special guest, uh, the artist of Vagrant Queen, Jason Smith. Hello. Hey. I'm really excited to get you here. Um, I We're going to get into exactly why, <laughs> but okay. uh, let's just say I'm a big sci-fi fan both the genre and the network and i'm a big uh comic book fan so this is a really great crossroads of interest for me so um well thanks for having me of course um well we're always happy to put some spotlight on uh new exciting comics out there and uh i definitely want to get into it but first we always like to get to know our guests a bit okay um i have a couple questions based on uh the shows that we host uh so our first show is called binge watching where we literally just talk about what we watched this week. So yep. what have you been watching with, you know, all the time at home, I'm assuming? <laughs> yeah, um, well, outside of the premiere of Vagrant Queen, which I watched a couple times over the weekend because I'm in Canada, so I actually watched it um, Friday night when it was on Sci-Fi and then again on Sunday when it aired in Canada. Um, <laughs> outside of that, um, my wife and I are actually binge-watching Grimm, um, which we oh, watched nice. when it was uh, airing, and we haven't watched in years, so I don't know why, but we've... we've decided that was the show to watch this week. So we've gone through the first couple of seasons and just kind of goofy fun and we just enjoy it. Nice. Yeah. I, I, um, speaking of the vagrant queen, I actually was watching when you were, you were live tweeting during the Canadian premiere. Yeah. <laughs> so that was pretty funny. I have several friends in Canada. I'm like, it's on right now. Go watch it. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, the benefit of being uh, in, in Canada is you get to watch it twice for me. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I know what's going to happen ahead of time anyways, but uh, watching <laughs> it and knowing, seeing what people react to on Friday night and then watching as people were getting to points on uh, on Sunday night was kind of like, oh, this is when they're going to lose it. And they did. So it was kind of funny. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. And then so for our second show, we call it Respawn Ready. Uh, this is the show where we talk about what we've been playing, video games, tabletop, whatever. Uh, from what I understand, you're not really much of a gamer, right? No. I. Um, the problem with, I said this to you earlier, the problem with drawing comic books is you don't have a lot of free time. So I spend my time drawing and not playing video games. I have my coworkers at work always say, oh, you should play this one. And I'm like, no, I just don't have time, man. I just don't, I just have, don't time. have time. <laughs> Not gonna happen. I understand that. The, as as our uh, network has progressed, I've gotten less and less time for video games myself. I'm lucky if I get a couple hours in a week. So. <laughs> All right. Well, let's go on straight to our third question. Uh, we have a show called the uh, Infinite Playlist, where each week we have a different um, theme that's randomly generated of music, and we add songs to a playlist that literally just gets longer every week, and. Um, so in the spirit of that, we also talk about what we've been listening to. Uh, what have you been listening to and what kind of music are you into in general? Um, I'm probably more of like a, a rock and roll person, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know why, but I've been listening to Radiohead lately again, which I haven't listened to in a couple of years. But for whatever reason, it popped up. I was like, oh, I should listen to Radiohead. So I've just been throwing that on Spotify and kind of on a loop while I'm working or um, just not doing anything. So yeah, that's about it lately. Um, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, I got you. We, um, I, I'm trying to remember who else we spoke with um, recently. We were talking about that. I think it was another artist. It might have been Stephanie Hans from Die. Um, but she said that she likes to put music on when she's working, but it's hard to work with music with lyrics. Yeah. Uh, or it's music you're not quite familiar with. Like, if you're super familiar with it, you can ignore the lyrics. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. 
I find sometimes you just uh, like, I end up paying attention to the lyrics instead of actually drawing. Um, mm-hmm. So usually actually I'm, when I'm drawing, I'm, I'm in our office at home and I can hear my wife watching TV. So I normally don't have anything on when I'm drawing and I just kind of, I can faintly hear the TV in the background. Um, but yeah, if I'm listening, if I'm drawing, um, if I can do throw music on, it's usually something I've, I've heard a bazillion mm-hmm. times. So a playlist or something from Spotify that's just got like old favorites and stuff and just throw that on and it's just kind of like background noise. But otherwise, mm-hmm. usually it's, I kind of draw in silence, which is funny. <laughs> nice. And then our last question uh, for the show that I personally host, We Have Issues. Uh, this is a, a comic-based show, also books, literature, any kind of reading. Um, what have you been reading? Um, well, I, I mean, the same problem with gaming is when you start drawing all the time, you have less time to read. So mm-hmm. I'm reading um, Curse the White Knight. That's the only thing I'm picking up monthly. Um, and I went and dug out old Akira collections the other day because I had nice. some free time. I was just flipping through them. Um, but that's kind of it lately. I tend to, especially when I'm actually working through an issue and drawing, I try not to go look at stuff because I find that um, influences me or gets in the way of, of kind of drawing like I want to draw. So I try to stay away from stuff. So I'll, mm-hmm. and I'll wrap an issue. I'll kind of go pull out some comics and flip through them and dig through them and read them. But and then I start working again and put them away. Gotcha. Yeah, Curse of the White Knight is actually one we talk about a lot on the podcast. Uh, two of my co-hosts uh, both read it and go back and forth on it. It's really interesting, like the whole um, alternate reality of it. And we always talk about the freedom you get when you can do a non-canon story with really important characters like Batman. Yeah, I think that's the I think that's the genius of it is that you mm-hmm. can basically do whatever and it doesn't matter. So. <laughs> killing characters or um, having characters do something that maybe isn't what you'd expect of them. Uh, mm. I think that's partly what makes it really interesting. At the same time, I'm a huge Sean Murphy fan. Um, I remember mm-hmm. finding his stuff when he did The Wake and I'd never heard of him before and I kind of picked it up because Scott Snyder was writing it. And I remember looking through the art and I was like, who is this guy? And I just love that, I mean, my artwork's not necessarily clean lines and stuff, and I smudge things and make messes. And I just like the fact that he was kind of making a mess on the page, and it looked really good. So it's just kind of one of those things I, I just really like what he does. And I think everybody does. I mean, I don't think there's too many artists today who don't think that he's um, kind of at the top of the game right now. Yeah, he's great. He's killing it. Um, I really liked uh, Tokyo Ghost. Yeah. That was a really yeah. good one. I mean, he just, there's some, uh, there's some stuff that he's done, um, like Tokyo Ghost, where you're like, that was just, I think, the sweet spot for him, where he could kind of let go and do some crazy stuff. And at the same time, he could see he was embracing some of that different stuff with like the samurais and the Japanese influences that kind of mm-hmm. really took into a different place. Um, and the mix of like the sort of that futuristic, dark, modern world, uh, Blade Runner-esque that, I think really kind of fits his style. So it's kind of cool to see him do that. I think when he, you know, Batman's a good one for him too, because he's able to just be dark and grungy. Um, (laughs) I think if he did, I don't know how he'd do Superman. Like, I don't know how you do a character like that because it's too clean, complete opposite of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. No, that makes sense to me. Uh, But yeah, I I enjoy that work too. And then uh, the Akira stuff, that's awesome. I'm really hoping we get that live action Akira movie. (laughs) (laughs) It's getting delayed, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. I won't hold my breath. 
<laughs> All right, so um, moving on, I want to go ahead and start talking about uh, the reasons that we're here. Um, I definitely want to talk about Vagrant Queen, but I want to talk a little bit more about yourself. So uh, I want to talk about how you got into comics, because from what I understand, you you're you do art design as well, like logos and such. Yeah, so I've been uh, a graphic designer mainly, also an illustrator, um, for about 17 years now, since I finished school. It's a long time. Um, <laughs> and my day job, I actually work for uh, an insurance company here in Canada, and I'm their um, creative consultant. So I'm the lead of our internal agency. So we do everything from their commercials that you put on TV to posters and brochures and reports and all kinds of things. So that's my day job. Um, and I got into comics about 10 years ago. I was complaining that I wasn't drawing enough anymore. That's what I took in school. And that's kind of what my passion is. Mm -hmm. And my wife bless her was like just shut up and go draw and i was like well i don't have anything to draw and she's like you must have things to draw and so i kind of went through old sketchbooks and found ideas that had been thrown out or that clients had killed and i for about three or four weeks um illustrated all of those and i'd run out of things and um for whatever reason i was on kickstarter and there was a, a guy by the name of jason brubaker who at the time was doing a book called remind and mm -hmm. It was a comic book that he was writing and illustrating, coloring, lettering, and he's publishing publishing it as a, a weekly webcomic. And I was like, what is this thing? I never really heard of webcomics before. Um, and I went, hmm. oh, I could do this. And so I started my own webcomic uh, 10 years ago. And I did that for about six and a half years. And that sort of uh, led me into doing comics with, Magdalene. I connected actually with Heather Antos, who was at Marvel and now she's at Valiant. Uh, mm. She was doing an anthology, and so I, I designed it for her and did a pinup. And then through knowing her, she said, I, I know a writer who is looking for somebody to do something. Are you interested? And I was like, sure. Um, so she connected me to uh, Magdalene, and we did a, a short story called The Sisters that um, was about 12 pages. And we we're having a good time and doing that. And I said, you know, if you want to do something else, I'm, I'm interested. And so she had an artist drop out of another book she was going to do called Peter Jackson in Space. And I said, sure, I'll do it. And um, so she did a Kickstarter for that and successful. And so we did the book and printed it. And that was kind of it uh, for a year. And so I emailed her about... I don't know, once a month, kind of going, hey, what's going on? And she was like, eh, nothing, I, I'm doing other things. So it's like, okay. So finally I sent her an email and said, you know, do you have the script on And she said, yeah. And I said, send me the script and I'll just draw the second issue. And so I just drew the second issue. I mean, I did the thing you're not supposed to do, which is draw it on spec. No one paid me, I just did it. But <laughs> in my head, I was like, well, I need something to do and I want to draw. And I, she talked about trying to sell it to a publisher. And so I knew if we had more of the book done, it would be easier to sell. And so I gave her, I drew it and lettered it and, and inked it. And she went and she actually managed to sell it to Vault. And that's how we got connected to Vault. And that's what led to Vagrant Queen. So that's kind of my road to comics. It's not necessarily, <laughs> I don't think it's how normal people break in. Um, <laughs> 
but yeah, like I, I drew a, my webcomic um, for six and a half years. You can still read it on my, my website. It's free. Um, it's just sitting there and it's 300 and some odd pages long. And I mean, I started it and finished it and I, I, I'm glad I did. And it helped me understand how to make comics. Um, but it's definitely different than what I'm doing now. So that's, that's also something mm -hmm. that's cool. Yeah. Um, and that's on the verge, right? Yeah. So it's called on the verge. It's essentially, um, how would I even explain it now? It's like a supernatural thriller about this, um, organization that investigates paranormal uh events and mm. uh their main guy gets kidnapped and they have to basically figure out what's happened and a whole bunch of other things are going on and there's some other um shorter stories that go along with that but yeah gotcha yeah definitely and so the whole the whole run's available still online yeah it's on uh, you can get to it on my website so it's jsnsmith.com slash on the verge great yeah so anyone out there interested in that i know one of my co-hosts is a prolific webcomic reader um she always recommends webcomics to us so i'm definitely gonna recommend that to her um Ooh. and i'm actually looking at your website I, I was on here before we started and i want to talk a bit about your art um i'm looking at the uh the pinups sure and the um like the illustrations that you're doing uh i wanted to really compliment your line art it's i love it it's like i'm especially i'm looking at the rocketeer one thanks and one, um people seem to like that one <laughs> for whatever <laughs> i think it's because there's like such a sharpness and then the rocket itself you use that like textured uh explosion look and it's okay. like and then the smoke like it kind of fades into like not sharp at all and i yeah. think i just like the contrast well thanks Plus the rock, I mean, it's the Rocketeer. <laughs> so. Yeah, well, that was a funny one because I, um, I got asked to do that pinup and I was like, oh man, I remember the Rocketeer when I was a kid. So we actually went and um, rented it on, I think it was like Google or something. And I forgot how good it was. Like it actually really still holds up. It's a great movie. Yeah. I haven't seen it in years. I should probably rewatch that. Sooner or later, Disney's going to reboot <laughs> the thing because they've run out of other properties to reboot, but it's definitely worth it if you're going to go find it. Definitely. And then um, the other one that jumped out at me is the Batman pinup on here. Okay, yeah. Um, I like how deep the blacks are. And you do a thing that I really appreciate with Batman uh, art where he legitly looks dark and gloomy. <laughs> like there's, there's too much like, like male pinup Batman out there. Fair. And it's like, that's, that's not Batman, you know? So like, he's kind of a gloomy, like sourpuss really. And I like that. Like he's got the, he's hunched over slightly. And I like the dark mask, you know, and the full, and like, I, I like that one a lot actually. Yeah. I think the trick with doing uh, any of those characters that are well known is trying to find your own sort of spin on it. And so to mm -hmm. me, that was a question of kind of who's Batman to me. And you're right to me, he's not a, a happy guy so how do you make it look kind of gloomy and he's hunched over and i really want him like i didn't want him like um cut i wanted like he was wearing a he's wearing protective armor and he's got like the the spandex over top so you're not seeing every muscle but he just looks really big and mean um mm -hmm. okay. like where i was going yeah. with that yeah i like it and again there's the the contrast between the line art and then like the the more faded and subtle background. So I think that seems to be like a, 
uh, a style of yours. I, I, I genuinely like that. I, I, I think it makes, because I go to a lot of cons and I buy a lot of prints to put on walls and yeah. that I think that makes it a really good print. You know what I mean? Like to put on a wall, it makes the, the subject of the drawing pop. Yeah. And the rest kind of is nice, you know? <laughs> uh, sooner or later, I will actually do a full story where I get to use like ink washes and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. I mean, it's great for pinups and covers and stuff. Cause you're, it's a one-off illustration. Um, yeah. I'm not sure quite how it would work on every page, but it's one of those things I'll figure out at some point and actually do something with. Nice. All right. And so, um, I do want to get over to Vagrant Cream, but real quick, I have to touch on Andrew Jackson in space. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, so this was pitched to you. This was this was something that um, that um, existed before you. Like, you, did you say the artist dropped out of that book, the original artist? Yeah, I'm not exactly sure what happened necessarily, but um, Magdalene had the story and was either working with another artist or was talking over with another artist, and it wasn't going ahead. So she pitched it to me as, Hey, do you want to draw this? And she had some rough, um, character descriptions and some general ideas of like what characters would be wearing and and that type of thing. Um, but it was pretty, there was lots of room to do stuff with. Um, but yeah, that's, so we did Andrew Jackson in space. Um, and there was, I mean, the second issue no one's ever seen, and I mean, if you want, I was going to ask, <laughs> well, it, if you wanted to hear the, the full story, so we pitched Vagrant Queen or sorry, we pitched Andrew Jackson in space to vault. And that was what they, um, that's what they, they sort of greenlit. And then later, so that was about August and going through the process of doing, um, contracts and all that it took a couple months getting lawyers to look at them all that stuff and then basically around november i think um magdalene decided she didn't want to do it anymore is the the easiest way to explain it um okay. and so we had a call with vault and you know vault was like you still want to do something with you guys um pitch us something and so we went away and basically took a look at what we had. And the original story for Andrew Jackson in space, um, the main character was called Alita, and she was much more the central character. And when we were doing the actual comic, we changed it so Andrew Jackson, who was the main character in the title on the book, was more the main character. Mm-hmm. I think Magdalene had always liked the original story better. So we went back to that. And since we started over again, I basically said to her, can we throw everything that we have out and just start from scratch? We'll start with the characters 100% from scratch. And she said, sure. And so Baker Queen was born from that. And so where Alita was an alien in the, in the original Andrew Jackson in space, um, when we did Vagrant Queen, Mags kind of said, hey, what if we made her not an alien like she was she was orange had red hair and spots she said i kind of mm-hmm. want her more humanoid because i think the as the main character the audience will connect with her better i said sure why not and then she kind of pitched hey what if we made her um black instead of white like let's do something different and so mm-hmm. that we kind of settled on her being 
black and and kind of going with that um uh isaac basically became canadian because i kind of we needed that human character and and we didn't want to make it from uh basically the u.s which was obvious so just trying to make some different decisions um Mm -hmm. and that's kind of how a vagrant queen sort of was birthed i guess it's the short not really short story no, yeah, I mean that's that's interesting because I saw the obvious like comparisons uh, when when reading over the Andrew Jackson book, and I was kind of like, this is interesting that you know it's it's there are similarities, obviously, but yeah, um, it's it's very similar. And actually, so to finish sort of your question about the second issue, you everyone's actually seen the second issue of Andrew Jackson in Space. It's actually issue number three of Vagrant Queen. So we, I basically almost drew that. Um, panel for panel again uh i changed things throughout it the characters are obviously all different um and drawing it a second time you can kind of make changes based on oh that panel didn't really work that angle didn't really work i don't like the way this sort of flowed and changed things up but the general story was um sort of almost panel for panel the same um yeah so the benefit of doing something a second time is i got to make it better but at the same time, uh, it was kind of it was weird because I I'd done two issues, um, which was kind of all brand new and figuring stuff out. And then the third issue, everything was kind of figured out, but I had to put the new characters and stuff in it, which was a little bit of a change of pace. Because then we f- went back to all new, <laughs> going through the story, and so I kind of knew halfway through the book where things were going to end up, but I didn't know the av- how the story was actually going to completely. Um, come together so it was kind of interesting to watch that happen the first time through (coughs) um so switching over to vagrant queen um the first volume's out yes first five issues uh i've read it um when i talk about comics on the podcast i try to remain as spoiler free as possible because my goal is to get people to go out and buy the book (laughs) um so (laughs) uh, but we'll talk about it a bit um uh as you mentioned, the decision to make her um, an African-American woman. Yeah. Um, one of the things we talked about a lot when we review Vault is the fact that Vault has amazing diversity in their characters. Yeah. Like beyond any other publisher at the moment. So yeah. that was the first thing that jumped out at me. I was like, man, Vault, because I got into Vault through Money Shot. Okay. which is a weird way to get into a publisher, <laughs> uh, an, an adult book. But, um, but ever since then, we've been reading pretty much everything. And my best friend, uh, she reads pretty much everything Vault puts out at this point. Okay. Because she loves, you know, she loves to see comics with strong women. She loves fantasy. She loves sci-fi. She's not so much about the superhero stuff. So um, talking about Vault... Um, what's it been like working with them? Because we've talked to several vault creators and it seems like they're, they really have the right way to do it. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they've been nothing but supportive. Um, we were, I think their second year that we got released, maybe their third year. So they were still ironing out some kinks in terms of production and just getting stuff going. But, I mean, like I said, we pitched them a story, and they said, sure, and we were in the midst of signing contracts and literally changed direction. And they said, sure, let's do it. Let's create something. Um, we want to work with you guys. So that's, that's great. Was, and I mean, I don't um, have anything but thing, positive uh, things to say about that. We heard when we uh, were discussing 
uh, money shot is that they really just like comics. <laughs> like, they, it seems like they want to put out comics because they want to, there to be more comics. Simply, yeah. like, it seems like they're real fans. And they, like, they like they like good stories. And mm-hmm. I think, I mean, I think our our story has a, a black leading lady, and that was on purpose. But it was also kind of accidental. Like they didn't know that when we pitched it to them and I, it wouldn't, I don't think it would have mattered either way, but mm-hmm. like she's black. Um, I know said, you said no spoilers, but she's a lesbian. Um, yeah. <laughs> right. She's a woman. She's left-handed. Like if you went through all the things, like we've kind of given her, we've, we've taken what would be the obvious thing and done the opposite every single time. Um, that wasn't because Vault asked us to, or has um, given us any direction. It was just kind of, what I think Magdalene and I wanted to do and Vault's been okay with it the whole time. Like there hasn't been anything that we've kind of really pitched in story ideas where they're like, no, you can't do that. They, they just have been super supportive and just want us to make the best comic we can. And whether that's in the writing, whether that's in the art, um, their notes are not like, they're very, they're, they just want to make good comics at the end of the day. And I think that's awesome because I think that's really what it should be about. Um, and I mean, I, as a creator, I haven't worked with any other publishers, so I couldn't tell you whether or not other publishers are like that or not. But true, um, I've done enough enough um, other design and illustration work for other companies, and I know they're not like that. So I think the fact that Vault is so um, is so supportive is just awesome. Yeah. Um. And you brought it up, and I, that is one of the things I was going to spoil for her audience is the fact that she is a lesbian. Um, <laughs> I loved it, and uh, I was—I remember I was surfing the the hashtag on Twitter when the first episode came out because I was trying to look for the reviews and see what the initial reaction to everybody was. And I remember one person put "gays in space," and I thought that was really funny. <laughs> but, but, like that's the funny thing is. I- I mean, not to, I guess we've spoiled it, but the <laughs> first book, um, it's left open-ended. Like we didn't talk about it at all um, to the point where I didn't even know. Like I emailed out, uh, I emailed about three issues in and kind of said like, is she gay or not? Like I just, I don't care. I just want to know. <laughs> and it was like, no, yeah, she is. We'll get there. And I was like, okay. Um, so you know, it's just one of those things that's just part of the character. And I think that's one of the things I like that Mags has done with the story is it's not in your face. Um, mm-hmm. it, it just is who she is. And I think that's, that's how it should be handled really. Yeah, I agree. And, um, again, it goes back to the, the diversity and <clears throat> there's a, there's a really toxic part of, especially geek fandom that just rails against diversity at all costs. That really bothers me. Um, But I, I, it's just like, we get to tell, like you said, good stories are good stories. And there are stories out there that aren't a straight white guy, you know, like there are stories to tell and that's fascinating to me. And I, I really, I'm really appreciating getting to see all these different angles and different people and how they deal with life and uh specifically with lgbt like uh we were talking about um at the grammys this last grammys i was like would you ever believe there would be two gay black rappers 
on the Grammys separate of each other, not performing together. Like that's amazing how far we've come, but also there's still, you know, work to be made there. So well, I think that at least for us, if you're going to do something new, you know, like yeah. I, we're not taking a character that exists. We're, we're starting from scratch. And it, so even just to make her black is a step that a lot of people wouldn't make. Um, but especially for sci-fi, like how many stories can you have where the lead character is white, um, mm-hmm. usually male, but sometimes female. And you're just kind of retreading the same ground that everyone's already done before. So why not go in a slightly different direction? Whether or not people get it or like it, mm-hmm. I, that's really not up to me. But I I think there are, there are stories out there for people if that's what you're looking for. If you're looking for just, you know, straight white men, there are, those stories exist. <laughs> yeah. Why not oh, be different? And, and maybe you'll be entertained because it's an entertaining story. And if you're not, there's other stuff available for you. But at the same time, there are people that actually are looking for these stories as well. And I think that's valid, right? So very, very much so. Yeah. That's one of the things I like, like you're, you said at vault, um, they, they do have diversity kind of at their core and they're, they're doing a lot of stuff that other people aren't doing. And I think they're doing for that really. Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, let's, let's get into to vagrant queen. So it's a sci-fi story. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, um, what's the word I want to look for? Dirty sci-fi. Like there's like, you know, there's the high and low fantasy yeah. and there's high and low sci-fi, you know, high sci-fi. It's going to be like your star Treks, even yeah. like star Wars a bit like low sci-fi is like your, your fireflies and a lot of sci-fi original shows like, like vagrant queen. Um, if you went back to what I was saying about, I don't draw neatly. Um, it was never yeah. shiny and new. Um, thanks <laughs> race those pages i'm always like i can't draw this and i have to focus when it's just like down in an alley and muddy and garbage everywhere i'm like i can draw that i can make a mess like that, that's my happy place so it's like uh, crawling through a sewer <laughs> yeah, I, i'm much better drawing messy stuff than i am um shiny and new so it, it yeah. definitely is it's got a lived-in world um and that was kind of one of the things that we talked about when we started was we really wanted to, we wanted to create like, uh, well, like the old fashioned pulp stories that you kind of see in sci-fi and, and other mm-hmm. stuff. Where it was just, it was just a crazy adventure, whether or not it could actually happen or not, it didn't really matter. Um, but at the same time, we wanted to create this sort of larger than life world that these characters lived in and give it some history. And, and it was like a real thing. So how could you, what are those sort of cultural things you could put in it? What are the, the things that they could walk through or use? Like their ship has been there forever and it wasn't just one version of it. It's like an old version that's, you know, if you looked at cars, it would be like something from the 70s. Yeah. It's still around today, but is completely new and shiny. But this old one people love because it's this classic. Um, but that's what their ship is. Like it's this classic piece of shit. <laughs> it's taken care of, but it's actually kind of an awesome little ship. And so that was kind of, again, part of that world building that we talked about when we started was how do we sort of create this sort of lived in universe and get that. So it isn't, it isn't perfect. That's kind of what we wanted. I like that. And um, there is a tendency 
with some sci-fi and some fantasy when they when you start a story when you're building a realm that you talk down to the audience and you try to explain everything yeah. right away. And this doesn't. This just launches you in and you're like, hey, if it's important, we're going to talk about it. <laughs> but let's get to the story, basically. I like that a lot. Well, and I think that is that pulp influence. And I think one of the mm-hmm. things that Magdalene's actually done um, a really good job of from the writing side was she's written almost every issue where if you hadn't read the previous ones, you could just pick it up and go. And I mean, to your point, it it gives you the necessary information that you need to just go in the story. And if mm-hmm. you've read the previous ones, it continues the story along. But if you haven't, you almost could just keep, you could just enjoy it for what it is. And I think that that's a really, you don't see that too much in comics anymore. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the things that actually really works about this story, this series. Yeah. And I've been reading the second volume, uh, A Planet Called Doom, and you could entirely read this book without having read the first series. Yeah, and that was—it's a—it's completely standalone. I like that a lot. Yeah, and that was—that was the intent. I mean, obviously, it continues on the story. Um, Yeah. If you've read along, uh, you know what's going to happen. But at the same time, yeah, it—it hopefully is where if you're a new reader, you could just jump in, just jump in and go, and just have be part of the crazy sci-fi adventure is the idea. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think it's really uh, accessible like that. Um, you launch straight into it. And like you said, pulp, I really like the, the, the label of pulp uh, for this because there's a certain style of pulp where it's like, as soon as, like as soon as the plot gets bogged down, someone kicks in the door. I think is the the phrase for pulp. <laughs> so I, I get that from Vagrant Queen. Like they they talk and they get they get across what needs to be happened, and then someone attacks or something happens. Yeah. And it's always going, going, going. And you guys pack a lot into five issues. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, there's a lot. Yeah, we do. It's um, I sometimes I I finish drawing an issue and I look back and I'm like, oh wow, yeah, that happened on page one. Like it just um there you're right a lot happens and it's like mags makes the most of all the space that she has in terms of story and then i get it and i probably squeeze in more because i draw in whatever other stuff that i want to in the backgrounds and add panels and everything else so it's we just try and jam it full of of action and adventure and and mm-hmm. hopefully it's a good time um and hopefully it makes <laughs> sense <laughs> the end of it yeah no no, I, I I genuinely enjoyed the first volume quite a bit. Uh, pretty excited about the show. So let's talk about the show a bit. Um, obviously, you're not directly involved with the making of the show. You're the artist of the comic, but you're obviously promoting it. You've obviously seen it a couple times now. Yeah. Um, like, obviously, when you make a TV show versus a five-issue comic book series, you're going to expand. Yeah. You have to put extra things in and a lot of the additions on the show i actually really enjoyed um uh, the extra characters um one i'm not going to talk about because in the first episode something bad happens to them and i don't like to think about it but yeah what do you think about like how they expanded on it for this uh, adaptation yeah so i mean i guess let me start by backing up and saying so when we when we got approached about the option um it was kind of out of the blue. We weren't expecting it. And so, I mean, we, we had some meetings and kind of said, sure, why not? Like no one else has approached us. Let's, let's go for it. And so that was around the start of September when we started having those discussions. And 
they basically, between signing all the papers and all the legal stuff that goes along with that, um, by the start of December, uh, they'd given us a, a pilot script already and basically said, you know, read it, give us your thoughts and your feedback. And the pilot script really kind of hit it. It, it. The tone of it was right. The characters were right. Like uh, Mags has said, you know, she had to go back and look at some of her scripts because it sounded like they'd taken her um, her lines from the comic and used them in the TV show, but they hadn't. Like she, um, one of the things Jem's done an awesome job with with the show is making getting that tone right and getting the characters to sound right and act right. So I think the first thing I'd say is like watching the show. It really felt to me, anyways, as the guy who's sat here for a couple of years drawing these characters. It felt like they were actually what was going on in my head as I was drawing and trying to make them act on the page. That's what they were doing on the TV screen. So that was kind of cool. Um, so to circle back to your question, I think because they got the tone right, the stuff they've added to the show um, is coming from the right place, if that makes sense. Like they've, the additional characters. Um, they kind of fit with what they had. And some of the other storylines that they've, they've pulled on, we alluded to in the comic or we talked about, but didn't really explore because it was outside of that core story that we we're talking about. And in, mm-hmm. in, in the first story, there's only so much space, right? We've only got 22 pages an issue. You've got to get the story told as quickly as possible. Um, right. Yeah. And so, there are a bunch of like um, they're able to drill into things like the revolution and the the people that support the monarchy and the people that support the revolution. They're able to sort of drill down into those in a way that we haven't ever been able to do in the comic, unfortunately. And mm-hmm. so I think that stuff was there, and it was there for them to work with, but they didn't have. Um, we didn't have the space to, and they're able to. And I think that's great. Yeah. It's, it, well, it's like you were saying, like there's the, the pace of the book, the pulp pace, the mo- constantly moving, like that is great, but it doesn't build itself to, you know, like you said, going into depth about a lot of these things, which is good that the show can do that. Um, which I, I was going to say, one of the things I like is even though I've read the book, I am looking forward to watching the show as well, because with these new characters, maybe it's going to, you know, play out differently. How is it going to play out differently? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a straight up third like major character that, and I'm like, how is that going to play into everything? So I, I, I literally am getting to re-experience it completely differently, which I really appreciate straight up adaptations. Just there's something about them. I'm like, Oh, and this is the part when this happens, you know, <laughs> like yeah. it, it makes it exciting again. So. Yeah, and I think, I mean, for me, um, like, I got to see a lot of the concept art. I got to see a lot of the stuff they were doing at the start. And, sorry, excuse me. Uh, Again, they got the tone right. They got the influences right. What was really cool about, for me, seeing the concept art was they were actually looking at and had found things that were influencing me when I was doing the comic. It was like... they hadn't talked to me. They hadn't. They hadn't done any of that. They'd just gone through the art and they'd found the stuff that was there. And at the same time, they've gone through and pulled things from the comic, and that it was like I 
can't believe you actually did that. Like the the <laughs> stormtrooper like villains, all the little henchmen that have their helmet with the three eyes and stuff like that's right from the comic book. Mm-hmm. I just did that. I designed a whole bunch of weird helmets. Like I get something in a script from Mags. It's like stormtrooper like goons and you're like okay i'm not going to draw stormtroopers but they need to have these like outfits that i can repeat and so that's kind of what i ended up with and at the same time they've taken that and put it into the show um and i mean if you talk to the actors they talk about how you can't actually see out of those helmets and <laughs> seeing one of the helmets and worn it you can't see out of it um I didn't do that when I drew it, right? But now these guys are actually doing it. If you look at some of the the designs with the characters and some of the things like the hairstyles and stuff, like they've really gone to sort of some great um, lengths to sort of mirror what we've done in the comic, which is cool. But at the same time, again, how do they sort of expand on what we've got there and tell a maybe slightly different story? So it'll be interesting to see how it all unfolds and what people think. I think it's one of those stories that, is going to build sort of week after week, similar to how mm-hmm. the did. I think it's every, every episode is going to be another sort of step towards that sort of final head to head between Alita and Lazaro. Essentially. <laughs> yeah. And you, you mentioned it and I, I'm glad you did. Cause I wanted to bring it up. The, the design of everything is is great how they adapted it from the comics but man the makeup hairstyling and costuming specifically for lazaro and isaac there's a spitting image of what you drew i was amazed how close they looked like and tiny spoiler at one point in the comic isaac has to shave his beard and i'm already dreading that guy having to shave his beard i'm like no man don't do it you look really great i'm not saying anything um because yeah that's a great beard um, it's a fantastic beard. <laughs> I keep bugging Tim on Twitter. Who can can I draw a better beard than he can grow? And <laughs> I an interview with him where it's, it's he says it's like six to eight weeks to grow that thing. I'm just like, wow, that's intense. But <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, but there's the, like again, some of the weird things that happen in the comic. Like I tried to plan as much as I could for the story. Um, design locations, sets, objects, whatever needed to happen. And inevitably, Mags always throws me something that I had no idea was going to be there. So when we talked about doing Fagan Queen and, and pitched it, there was no flashbacks to seeing Alita when she was a kid or any of that stuff. So, or, or even to your point, um, Isaac shaving at the end of, uh, or yeah. So none of it was there, and all of a sudden it was like I had to kind of make it up, and that's always the stuff that I kind of end up loving the most because I make it up on the spot. And I mean, the funny thing about Isaac shaving is I'm the only one until that point who'd ever seen him without facial hair because that's how I draw him, right? I draw the head first, and then all the facial hair on top. So <laughs> I was like, I don't actually know what this guy looks like without facial hair. So, I, anyways, it's just one of those things like seeing them carry that over to the comic where in the premiere where they do the flashback and you see Alita training and, and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Um, it's cool to see that happen because that's the stuff that that we kind of made up on the go um, to fit the story that we're telling. So it's going to be interesting to see how they use that sort of thing with some more space because I think there's a the potential to tell 
more backstory than we've been able to tell because you, we just haven't had the space. Yeah, and just have a larger cast in general. Like, yeah, I mean... You can develop more characters. That's just the reality of TV, basically. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, how, like, what happens with Isaac and, and Alita as they start going through? Do we get more of their backstory than maybe we've gotten in the comic? In the comic, we've really only got, um, I think, two flashbacks of them. Um, mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with that because... And you could do a flashback for a couple minutes on screen, and that would be half a comic book. So yeah. we'll see what happens. It'll be interesting. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> now, you mentioned her throwing curveballs at you. I have to bring this up. Okay. And again, I'm going to try to give the most spoiler free version of this. Um, at one point, one of the characters takes a hallucinogenic. Yeah. See that was how much fun did you have drawing that scene? <laughs> that was so, and as much as I, she throws curveballs at me. I throw curveballs at Harry, our colorist. So, I got that issue. Um, I got that issue, and it was I drawn the issue before, which was like all crowd scenes, and it was insane. And I was like, I am not drawing any more crowds. And so I got the issue, and it was supposed to be. I'd originally designed that as like this ice snow planet. And the script said, it's a jungle planet. And I was like, I'm not drawing a jungle. Like, drawing leaves will kill me. So <laughs> I sent an email to Adrian, our editor of Vault, and Magdalene was like, remember I pitched a snow planet? Can we make it like a snow jungle and I'll just have ice and stuff? And they're like, yeah, that's awesome. Go for it. I'm like, okay. So that <laughs> I could then have some weird thing um, sting alita so she she starts hallucinating but even that was like okay i'm just gonna draw this thing and i don't know how harry's gonna color this and sort of threw it off with notes of like she's hallucinating she starts to lose it do whatever and harry just knocked it out of the park like every time i get pages back from him he he always blows my mind because i i throw stuff out of him like i don't know what you're gonna do with this just you'll do it and and he always does so i give him as much credit as as I can for that one, because he really made that whole that scene work. Um, the colors were perfect. Yeah, uh, specifically the the large monster she sees that turns out to be a puppy. Yeah, um, man, that that shot pops so hard for me. I really like that. That's that's my dog actually. My both of my dogs I've drawn into the first storyline. So the first one um, is the white mm-hmm. one that's in the very first issue on like page five or something is uh it's in the bar scene and then the second dog is that one so the one is looking very cool in the leather jacket and the other one goes from hellhound to cute little puppy <laughs> probably his personality in a nutshell nice <laughs> awesome well um yeah so i'm really excited about volume two um excellent it, it does take off it, it's strange because it is a sequel, but it literally is like I said, it's its complete own separate story. And the first the first volume really could be read by itself without really wondering too much, like oh, what's going to happen next? But this one does a good job of hooking you back into the world again. Yeah, and yeah, I, I really like it, and uh, I'm I'm really curious as to why is this all happening? You know, <laughs> like so it did a really good job of that. Cool. Well, it'll get there. I, the first one we. <laughs> right now and basically the first four issues are like it everyone just keeps building i, I kept getting the scripts from mags i was like i can't believe you keep making this bigger than the last issue <laughs> um, but then it all comes together and i think the way it comes together 
I was like, oh, shit, that's cool. Um, so hopefully everyone else thinks the same thing because I think it just kind of comes together in a, a really nice way. And at the same time, um, hopefully when we start figuring out who Brother John is and, and where they're, he's coming from, um, I hope that's a bit of a surprise too. And if anyone's got any guesses, I'm, I'd love to hear. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, you know what? Um, I'm really enjoying it. And uh, as far as the show goes, uh, Adrian Ray as the lead is amazing. I, 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 she immediately, that first, that first scene with the, the two scavengers and uh, that just, I actually, stopped it after that scene and called my roommate into the room and i said i need you to watch this with me <laughs> and we rewatched the first scene i'm like doesn't that hook you so well and he's like yeah and i'm like so good but yeah so the show is currently airing on sci-fi uh new episodes on fridays including one uh coming up this friday yep. and in canada on city tv that's great right? yeah yeah what day does it air in canada sunday nights at 10 p.m Nice. Okay. So definitely check it out. Also check out uh, the first trade is out. Um, And if you buy it from the vault website digitally, it's only $5 guys. It's a really good way to get into this story from the ground floor. And then the current series, Vacant Crane and Planet Called Doom is currently on newsstands. Hopefully continuing once Diamond works out, whatever the problem is going to be. That's right. Yeah. But um, I want to thank you so much for joining me. I mean, I've really appreciated talking to you about this. Um, and I'm really passionate about this book and about Vault. And um, I cannot wait to see what you guys come up with next. Okay? Okay. Well, thanks so much for having me. All right. Thanks, Jason. All Have right. a good day. Bye.